Good morning, Cross Point Church. We are so excited that you're here today. And uh, I know Spence has already mentioned this, but I want to go ahead and just say it again. But we want to start off this morning by saying Happy Mother's Day to all of our mothers here today. Can we just give them a hand this morning? Amen. I know we have quite a few up here in this, uh, this front row here, but uh, uh, I tell you, Mother's Day is a great day where we can celebrate uh, our wonderful mothers. Uh, I remember reading this week a, a quote by Mark Twain, and he said, I know I gave my mother a great deal of trouble, but I think she enjoyed it. <laughs> I don't know that that's true about my mother. I know I gave her a great deal of trouble, but I think uh, with my mom, she dealt with it very wonderfully. Amen. And so, how many of you had mothers like that growing up? Amen? Just, uh, but uh, I tell you, we just want to say thank you to our mothers and, and happy Mother's Day. What a great day. We also are uh, at that point in our year where we celebrate uh, baby dedication. And look at all these beautiful babies that are up here this morning and these parents. I want to invite Gabe to come on over here. Uh, you know, every year about this time we do a baby dedication, uh, even though... Next year, we're going to be, or this year, we're going to be doing two. Uh, we're going to start doing two a year because our, our, our group is getting very large. And so uh, we want to try to divide that up into two times a year. But every year, we do baby dedication. And this is a wonderful time for us to celebrate these babies and the decisions that their parents have made. So I want to turn it over to Gabe and just let him explain that a little bit and what y'all did this weekend. Absolutely. Can we just give a round of applause to these families one more time? Amen. Isn't this beautiful? And, and Cross Point's baby dedication is a time for these parents to basically say, hey, we're committing to raise our children in pursuit of God and obedience to his word. And so they're going to publicly do that this morning. But it's also time for you, the church, our faith family, to say, hey, we commit to coming alongside of these families to partner with them as they raise their children and essentially make disciples. And so that's what baby dedication is all about. And we started it yesterday. We had a baby dedication brunch and we actually have over 30 babies that are being dedicated this morning. And that's just, just a testimony to, to just the glory of God and what he's doing in this place. But we had a wonderful day yesterday where we fellowship, where we ate, and we got to just pray over these beautiful, beautiful children. And the theme for our baby dedication this year is Psalm 139, verse 14. It says, I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully, wonderfully made. And I love that verse because that verse just shouts that God is the giver of our children. That he is the one that has created our children. And so yesterday we challenged the parents for, for them to understand that God has given their children as a gift. And they are called to be stewards of that gift. To raise their children up and to release their children into the world for the glory of God and advancement of his kingdom. We looked at a little bit at Psalm 127 where it says... Children are to be arrows in the hands of a mighty warrior to be sent out. So parents, we just want to charge you this morning and challenge you to raise your children in pursuit of God. And as you do that, may your homes be filled uh, with the wonderful works of God. May your homes be filled with the power of God. May your homes be filled with the grace, love, and mercy of God. Fathers, I want to challenge you to be fathers of grace. That you show grace to your wife and to your children. That you give your best to them and not your leftovers at the end of each day. Mothers, I want to challenge you with the same. That you'd be mothers that speak grace. That you would have words of life into your family and not words of death. And also, parents, uh, something that I've learned uh, 
my short time as being a parent is that what our children need most is not for us to point out their sin and disobedience, but it's for us to point out ours. And what I mean by that is what, what makes me a great father is when I am constantly pursuing Jesus myself. And when I'm doing that, I'm going to be a great father. So parents, I want to challenge you this morning to follow after Jesus. And as you follow after Jesus, you can confidently tell your children, follow me as I follow Christ. So parents, I have a very important question to ask you this morning. Do you commit to raise your children in pursuit of God in obedience to his word? Amen. 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 Well, you know, uh, as Gabe and I were talking, we were also talking about the reality that as a, as a church, we have a responsibility as well to these families. You know, one of the things I love about what Paul says to the Galatians, he says in uh, chapter 5, verse 13, he says, through love, serve one another. And I love that little phrase, through love, serve one another, because one of our responsibilities as a faith family is to come along beside these families and to uh, pray for them, to encourage them, to, through love, serve them, and to be a part of their life. That's what this whole uh, church is about, is about doing life together. And so this morning, church family, I want to ask you a question this morning. I want to I ask you to commit to something this morning. So faith family, if you would uh, commit to praying and loving and serving alongside with these parents as they raise their children to know Christ, would you just uh, confirm that by saying, we do? Amen. Uh, I tell you, let's give them a hand again this morning for the commitment that they have made. It's just so wonderful to know that, uh, that these parents are making such an important decision this morning for their family. And I'm going to ask Gabe, if you will, to just pray for them. Pray for us as a church as we kick off this, uh, this morning. So. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. God, we thank you that you are our loving Father, that you are a good Father, and you love us all. We are all your children, and we thank you for that. We thank you for Jesus and what he's done for us on the cross, that we could be adopted into your family. And God, we just lift up these precious children that are before you here today. God, we ask that, one, that God, my heartbeat for them, first and foremost, is for them to know you, not just with their mind, but with their hearts, that they would have a personal relationship with you. So God, we ask that your Holy Spirit would just draw them to yourself. God, that you would keep them all the days of their life and they would do a mighty work for your kingdom. Father God, I, I know that there are future missionaries, church planners, lawyers, teachers, doctors in this group. God, may they grow up in you and your love. Father God, we just lift up these parents to you now. God, parenting is so hard. God, it's stressful, it's tiring, it never ends. So God, we just ask that you would just give us endurance. God, you give us faithfulness. God, that you would give us joy. God, you give us a boldness and just the encouragement we need to, to keep going. So, Father, I lift up these fathers. May they be dads that lead their family in pursuit of you. Father, I lift up these moms that are here that they would humbly follow after you and they can show what it really means to follow after Jesus by the way they live. So, God, we just ask your blessings over these families, your protection over these families. And God, we're just so thankful that we are in a church, a faith family, that loves you and loves families. So God, we just thank you for all these blessings. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Now let's just thank Jesus one more time and these, these parents for the, the decision that they have made. You know, one of, the, one of the funny things about baby dedication is that a lot of times we hear from parents who say, well, I'm, 
I'm just afraid my baby is not going to behave in front of the church. And, and uh, what we like to tell the parents that are, that are sort of facing that anxiety is that that is music to our ears as we stand here before the church and we hear these babies make noise. Amen? The Bible says make a joyful noise before the Lord. And that's exactly what some of them do. And, uh, and I'm just thankful that we have an opportunity to do this together as a faith family. This morning we're going to continue in our series, uh, and uh, you know, last week we kicked off this series that we're calling Identity, and uh, I think it's one of the things that is very important for any, any believer, follower in Jesus Christ, any person really that's just uh, this, this living out their life to, to really try to understand their identity. And one of the questions that we should be asking ourselves as we dive into God's word here this morning is this, who am I? Who am I? And we talked about last week about how we so often identify ourselves with so many other things and other groups and, and in so many different ways in this world in which we live in today. But it's a very important question for us to ask, who am I? Especially in light of what it means in relation to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we want to continue to ask that question. Last week, we looked at the, the, the truth, the doctrine, if you will, that, that in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. And so hopefully for all of us here today, I don't know that that's true, but I hope that for all of us here today, that, that the reality would be that we are all a new creation in Christ Jesus. This morning, we're going to be diving into a a little bit different of a doctrine, but it still relates. In fact, this message today could really be a part two to what we discussed last week. And we're going to be talking about what it means to be free in Christ Jesus or to, to celebrate the freedom in Christ. You know, I believe freedom in Christ is probably one of the most misunderstood uh, truths today as it pertains to Christianity, as it pertains to a life in Christ Jesus. And I believe that the reason that we misunderstand what freedom in Christ really is is because we don't really understand what we're bound to. We don't understand where the bondage exists, where the bondage lies. I remember years ago while I was up at Southeastern Seminary in Wake Forest, we had the opportunity, a group of us, to go to uh, North Carolina State University and to, to really just share the gospel in in, a, in an opportunity that was given to us to speak at a very open forum. And so there were a lot of college students there that were just really exploring different things. And, and, and I remember we had this opportunity to share the gospel with several different people. And, and I was sharing the gospel with this one young man. And I remember he came up to me and he said, he said, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. I don't want anything to do with it. And I remember asking him, well, why is that? Why, why do you want, not want anything to do with Christianity? He says, because I don't want to be bound to a bunch of do's and don'ts. That's how he answered. He said, I don't want to be bound to a bunch of rules and regulations. And I remember thinking how sad it was for this young man to, to believe that, that Christianity was about bondage to rules and regulations, that that Christianity was about being bound to a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I remember thinking, boy, does he, does he really misunderstand what it means to have freedom in Christ Jesus? This morning we're going to be diving into this topic and, 
and, and looking at this, I want to invite you to turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And this week, the message is entitled, I Am Free. Last week, we looked at this reality that in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. And I was, I'm able to say, and I hope you were able to say, I am a new creation. This morning, I hope that as we look into the Word of God, that you would also be able to say, I am free because of what Christ has done in our life, because of who Christ is, that I am free. In fact, let me invite you to say that with me here this morning, if you will. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ this morning and you believe this truth, would you just say with me right now, I am free. I thought you were going to say it with me, so it scared me to death that nobody else in here was. I thought it was just going to go right, it just so fluid, and, 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 and you just waited for me to finish, and I thought I am the only Christian in this place this morning. <laughs> scared me to death. Let's do that again on three. One, two, three. I am free in Christ Jesus. Amen? How many of you thank Jesus for that truth this morning? <laughs> Woo. Now I can relax and just... Move on and as we dive into the Word of God here this morning. So uh, this morning we're going to be looking at this truth. I, I do want to say this, and I think it's really interesting. When you study the Bible, when you study what the Word of God is, what you study, when, you, when you really begin to study the Gospel, and I think it's interesting because on one hand, the Bible, it vividly paints this remarkable image of the desperate situation that man is in apart from God. Let me say that again. On one hand, the Bible paints this very vivid picture, this very vivid image of the desperate situation that we are in apart from God. In other words, you can read all throughout the Scriptures and you can study, if you care to study, the wrath of God and the wrath of God against sin. And I tell you, you can read about the wrath of God and it's enough to sort of scare you to death because it's just, it's very heavy to, to consider the wrath of God. But on the other hand, the Bible also paints a beautiful and remarkably vivid image of salvation and freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. In other words, the reality is this, is that man is separated from him for an eternity apart from God, and he is doomed in who he is as a man apart from Jesus Christ. And so as we look into the Scriptures, we begin to see that Jesus becomes that, that bridge, if you will, that, that bridges the gap and who reconciles God to man and through salvation, through through His blood, through forgiveness of sin, through all of these things that we have come to understand that Jesus has accomplished for us. So on one hand, we have this vivid image of this desperate situation that we find ourselves in. Matthew 13, we read this. It says in Matthew 13, verses 40 and following, just as weeds are gathered and burned up with fire, so it will be the end of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin, and all lawbreakers, and throw them into a fiery furnace, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's not something that any of us would look forward to. But that's what the Bible paints as a picture concerning the wrath of God towards sin. But then we also read the contrast to that 
And this is what we want to celebrate here this morning, is that Jesus is the answer to that condemnation. Jesus is the answer to that eternal punishment that we face outside of him. Because what we read in John 14, 6, Jesus says this. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And so we have this remarkable understanding, this remarkable gospel truth that is presented to us, and it's this, is that we can have hope, that we can have salvation, that we can have peace, that we can have reconciliation, that we can have redemption all in Christ Jesus. And so that's the... That's the beautiful story of the gospel. That's the beautiful story of what Jesus does for us. And so we know that we can have salvation. We know that we can have hope in Christ. Now, looking at our passage here, Romans 8, starting with verse 1 and going through verse 4. Our passage, it celebrates that truth. But it also celebrates this freedom in Christ. Now remember, the world would see Christianity as a form of bondage. The world would see Christianity as us having to live like a puppet on a string to an almighty God. The world would see Christianity as us as living our life in, 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 in chains, bound to the gospel, bound to Christ Jesus, and, and, and having to live our life without any fun. That's what the world would have us to think about Christianity. But the Bible teaches something different. Starting with verse 1, we read this, where Paul is writing to the Romans, and he writes these words. He says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I want to read that again to you, because I want you to hear this. And I mean, this is something for us to celebrate here this morning. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How many of you celebrate that with me this morning? Amen. Amen. You know, in the first service, I started to call him out, but I saw a young man, he was just clapping like this. I thought, it's not very important to you, huh, bro? You know? I just wanted to call but, but I didn't know him well enough to say anything. But uh, I do plan to get to know him so I can call him out the next time I see him do this, you know? And I'm watching you, you see, to see where your spirituality lies when we respond in that way to worship God. But no, just kidding. You know, the, the reality is we see a very beautiful text here. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's worth celebrating all day long. It speaks of a truth that is very powerful and very profound. And it teaches us something about who Jesus is. It teaches us something about our identity in Him. We are indeed, as, as followers of Christ Jesus, a new creation. And we are indeed also free in this relationship that we have with Him. Look at this with me. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Look at it, verse 2. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There's just something really beautiful about these words. The Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of what? Of sin 
and death. That's what Jesus has accomplished for us. You know, in, all, in, in reality, all throughout the Scripture, the Scriptures are teaching this truth that we have been set free from what? Set free from sin and death. We see in this passage where the, the Word of God talks about the, the Spirit of God moving in the hearts of individuals, drawing men and women unto Himself, drawing people unto Himself, loving them that they may in turn love Him. And we see this all throughout Scripture. We see that Jesus Christ is the means by which the chains are broken. That Jesus Christ is the means by which we have been set free. That we are no longer bound. Bound to what? Not necessarily rules and, and, and regulations, do's and don'ts. That's not what this is talking about at all. It's talking about true freedom in Christ being set free from sin and ultimately death. This reality that apart from God, we are doomed. And so Jesus being the means, Jesus being the catalyst for this freedom that we experience when we come to understand who He is and embrace Him as our Lord and our Savior. All throughout Scripture, it talks of this freedom in Christ Jesus. And I think these are very powerful words that we see here. The Spirit of life has set you free. Listen to this. In Christ Jesus. Jesus Himself would say, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Christ Jesus. Jesus is so important for us to understand. So important. Galatians 5, Paul talks about this freedom in Christ. In fact, this whole chapter is really sort of dedicated to this, to this doctrinal truth, this, this understanding of what freedom in Christ is. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, we read these words, For freedom, Christ has set us free. You see that? For freedom... Christ has set us free. Not for bondage. Christ doesn't call us unto Himself. Christ doesn't give us the invitation to walk with Him. Christ doesn't save us by grace through faith in Christ Jesus, only that we would move into a place of bondage. No, He invites us to experience freedom because of the work of Christ. And Paul says here, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit against to the or submit again to the yoke of slavery. And so what Paul is describing in Galatians 5, the same thing that he is explaining in Romans 8, referring to this freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, not bondage. So you see, the world has it wrong. The world doesn't understand that we're not giving up anything to follow Jesus. We are gaining everything. Amen. You can celebrate that truth too. We're not giving up anything. We're receiving the greatest gift that we could ever receive in Christ Jesus. It's freedom. So Paul says, for freedom Christ has set you free. And then in verse 13 of Galatians 5, we see this. For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through uh, through love, serve one another. And so here he continues to say, listen, you haven't been given the freedom to sin. You've been given the freedom from sin. And there's a huge difference and in, in one that the world needs to understand. Now that may sound like to the world bondage. But in reality, we've come to know it as authentic followers of Christ Jesus, it to be freedom. Because you see what God is doing within our hearts, what this new creation that we are, our desires have all changed. 
You see, sin is very distasteful to us. Sin is that which we would want to expel from our life. And instead, this new creation that we are, this new heart that God has transformed, we now have the desire to flee from sin and run or pursue the righteousness of Christ. Why? We looked at this last week. Because we are different. We are different. And so here, Paul is revealing all of this. But you know, all through the scriptures, in the gospels, everywhere, we see that Jesus has set us free from the sin. He's given us freedom from the bondage that maybe the world may view as pleasurable, but the scriptures reveal as destructible, as destructing in our life. And so here we, we, we begin to see this. I love the gospel of John. In the Gospel of John, we, we see uh, a lot of different stories that are told there about people who discovered freedom in Christ Jesus. I love because uh, we, we see this. We, we see the Gospel just revealing all these different people who found freedom in Christ Jesus, free from the sin in which they were living. First, we have Nicodemus. Nicodemus, uh, you know, he represents a lot of people in church today, I believe. But Nicodemus was a Pharisee. And, and he was associated with a crowd of, of Pharisees, this religion, if you will. These Pharisees, uh, they, they, they really just leaned heavily upon religion instead of discovering what true faith in Christ really was. You see, the Pharisees were so enslaved to law and religion, so bound by this desire to be seen as holy and reverent that they couldn't see that which was standing right before them. They couldn't see Jesus. They couldn't see Jesus for who he was. But Nicodemus was different. Nicodemus was different because he began to recognize Jesus for who he was. And what we see here is that Jesus opens the door. He gives them an opportunity to walk away from the bondage of religion and to pursue instead an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. We see the stories continue when, when Jesus encounters the woman at the well. Most of us here probably are very familiar with this story, but the woman at the well, when she came up and approached the well, Jesus began to speak to her. And as Jesus began to speak to her, it became very obvious that she was, she was sort of sharing her testimony. And this was a woman who was in bondage to past relationships. She was dealing with her past. She was dealing with a situation that really had her bound in, in, in such a way that she really couldn't experience freedom the way Christ could offer freedom. She knew who she was. The town knew who she was. And Jesus knew who she was. But what we see is Jesus reveals this great love and this generous grace and this great compassion for this woman that she becomes very aware of who Jesus is and he invites her to experience freedom for, from her sins. What an amazing story of God's grace and compassion. A similar story to that is the woman who had been accused of adultery. This group of people, they bring this woman to Jesus and they accuse her of adultery. And after Jesus addresses the accusers, he turns to her and these remarkable words that he says to her, he says, neither do I condemn you. You see, what he was revealing to her was the truth that what Jesus does for us is he sets us free from our sin. He sets us free that we may experience freedom in Christ Jesus, not condemnation. 
And so we see this story really unfolding in such a, a remarkable way. I love these stories because they reveal uh, the, the forgiveness of sin through Jesus Christ. They reveal Jesus. They reveal Jesus Christ. There are so many more testimonies. I wish I had time to, to just continue to show you how Jesus has set people free from their sin in the Scriptures. In fact, John, when writing his Gospel, he, he got to a place where he knew he had to end the storytelling. He had to stop writing. And so he, he ends his, his Gospel like this. I love this in John 21, 25. This is what John says. He says, now there are, so many, there, there are also many other things that Jesus did. Were every one of them to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. In other words, Jesus was setting people free in such a remarkable way from their sin. People were coming to know who He was. And He's still doing that today. People discovering Jesus. Authentic Christianity. A true relationship with Christ in such a powerful way. But let's look at the passage again. In verse 1, it says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You see, this is a story for us. It is a story of triumph. It's a story of victory. As we begin to explore all that Jesus is for us, as we begin to understand all that Jesus has accomplished for us, we begin to realize that this is a story of victory. This is a story of Christ changing our hearts and setting us free from sin. For you see, in Christ Jesus, sin is no longer condemning. Now let me just say this. Though sin may not be condemning, sin is often disturbing and disruptive in our life. Sin does cause problems. In other words, what we would say is there are consequences to our sin. There's just therefore now no condemnation for the sin in our life. You see, the heart of an authentic believer following Christ Jesus should be one that is convicted over their sin, who desires change over sin in their life, to pursue the holiness and the righteousness of Christ rather than to wallow in the sin in which Jesus has set us free from. And so we need to be very careful, and I think that's one of the reasons why this, this understanding of freedom in Christ can be so dangerous to talk about. Because you start talking about the freedom in Christ and people say, oh, well then I can sin. There's no condemnation. There's always consequences to sin. Sin is very destructive in our life. And so we need to understand this reality as we think about it. But I want to show you something very, very familiar to all of us here today. I want to show you this passage. John 3, 16 and 17 says this. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Listen to those words. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. We should be at a place in our life where we are very grateful for the work of Christ in our life. We should be at a place in our life where we are truly in love with who Jesus is and what He has accomplished for us and who He has made us in Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, here's a story. One verse in all of Scripture that is pointing to this reality that in Christ Jesus we have 
hope. In Christ Jesus, we have salvation. In Christ Jesus, we have the forgiveness of our sins and we have the opportunity to spend an eternity in the eternal presence of God. And that's something worthy of celebration. But look at what it says in verse 17 as well. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world. That is good news to us. Jesus came that we would no longer remain condemned. God sent His Son into the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The very purpose of Jesus walking this planet, the very purpose behind Jesus going to the cross and dying one of the most horrible deaths that a person could ever die, the purpose behind Jesus being buried in a tomb only to be raised from the dead in three days. Through His resurrection, we have new life in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful, beautiful story. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. It's really quite simple. But it's the confusion that exists in our world today as we think about these these things that are presented in the world, it's the confusion that exists in the world that really sort of scrambles our minds and, and causes us to not to fully understand the victories that we have in Christ Jesus. So often the world seems to, to be so complicated and the, the struggle to not sin seems to be so great. Many times Christians just give up. Instead of pursuing righteousness, they give in to our sin. I was thinking about this this passage, and I was, uh, I was just contemplating what all this was speaking to us about today. And I came up with several questions, and I want to propose these questions here this morning. The first question is this, and this is what I wrote down for myself. You do with it what you want, but I wrote this question down as I thought about this. But the question is this, if Jesus offers us such freedom, then why is it that we so often prefer bondage? sin if Jesus offers to us such freedom from our sin then why is it that it seems that we so often prefer to remain in bondage to sin let me explain what I'm talking about there I was recently doing reading some some research and I I came across this survey done by relevant magazine and it was asking churchgoers what What sins do you struggle with? What sins are the most prevalent in your life? And so from this survey, they they gained an understanding of of the 10 top sins that the church struggles with. I want to give these to you this morning. Maybe for you, these are not anything that you struggle with, but but I I, I looked at this and I thought it it was so revealing about even church culture today. The top sins that the Christians struggle with today are these. Laziness, anger, gossip, pride, anxiety, lust and sexual sin, being overly critical, bad eating habits, being easily discouraged and undisciplined in prayer and the reading of the Word. You know what was so convicting about all of those to me? was the reality that probably every one of us in this room today probably struggle with all of these from time to time. That these are the things that if we're not careful, we can find ourselves in bondage to. 
Even though Christ Jesus, through the, the works on the cross, has set us free from the sin. That he would, he would mention these things. And as I read through them, as I look at these, I, I find these that, that really just sort of are things that I struggle with, you know, just dealing with, being undisciplined, being easily discouraged, having anxiety and pride, and, and all these things that just have a way of just grabbing hold of us and, and like change, binding us that we would not experience the fullness of Christ, that we would not experience the joy of walking with our Savior. That sin in our life, when left unattended, can be so disruptive to our walk with Jesus. I was reading through these. I was like, bad, eat, bad eating habits. Man, that's, that one really got me there. This morning, we were getting ready for church, and Linnell says, where do you want to go for lunch? I'd been praying through this and knowing I had to deliver it today, and I said, I said, well, she goes, you want to go grab a burger or something quick? I said, no. <laughs> today, I think it's broccoli, carrots, and water. Maybe a little honeydew thrown in there, but baby, I'm convicted. See, these bad... Eating habits are getting to me. <laughs> she says, well, I mean, we could just go. No, 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 you don't understand. This is what I'm preaching on today. I need to, I need to stick to broccoli and carrots and, and water and maybe a pinch of honeydew. That, that's what I would really, it's not what I want. I want the big Philly cheesesteak from Subway. You know what I'm talking about? With all the sauces. They say, what sauce? They got such a selection at Subway. Have you ever noticed all the different sauces? What sauce? I say, just throw them all on there. There's so much on there, you can't even fold the bread. Just leave it flat. Just, just leave it open. I'll use a knife and a fork. Man, I, you know, I'm looking at this, I'm saying, my gosh, you know, why do I have to be bound to this? Why, you know, I don't. Jesus has set us free from the, from the bondage of sin. Jesus has set us free that we may, we may experience the fullness of God in our life in such a, a remarkable way that maybe we've never experienced before. Here's the second question that I wrote down, and it's this. Why would we, we want to remain chained to the things that Christ has set us free from? Why would we ever want to remain chained to these things that Jesus has set us free from? You see, this morning, Jesus offers us an opportunity to see the chains in our life broken. This morning, Jesus offers to every one of us here this morning the opportunity to break free from the chains, whatever they are in our life, whatever it is that we deal with, on a daily basis, whatever sin is most prevalent in our life, Jesus offers an opportunity today to walk away from that and walk with Him instead. In fact, Jesus longs to walk with us. Jesus longs to, to pursue us and us pursue Him. Jesus longs to set us free. You know, the rich young ruler is another story. The rich young ruler, he walked away from Jesus because he, he felt as though Jesus was asking too much from him. 
when in reality what Jesus was offering to this rich young ruler was freedom. Was freedom. Romans 6, 23, and I'm finished with this. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. In just a moment, the worship team's going to come up and they're going to they're lead us in our last song. And we have an opportunity this morning to allow Jesus to break the chains that so easily entangle us. You know, I, I often wonder, well, how is that even possible sometimes? But you know, the Word of God gives us the answer. The Word of God challenges us to keep our eyes on the author and the perfecter of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ. So in just a moment, we have an opportunity to worship Jesus by breaking free from the chains, that which he has already accomplished in us. Making a decision to follow him. This morning, our pastors will be down front. They'll be down on each end. I'll be down here on the front row. If you want to come and speak to one of us as a pastor, we're here for you. We're here to pray with you. We're here to love on you. We're here to help you discover what the Word of God teaches us about Jesus. That truly in Christ Jesus, there is freedom. This altar is always open to any that would want to come and spend time in prayer as you, as you pray and you, you cry out to a holy and righteous God. Or maybe today our greatest act of worship. Our greatest act of worship might for this morning be to come to this altar and pray for a family member or a friend. To pray for a co-worker or maybe a fellow student. To pray for our neighbor or just our city. That they would break free from the bondage of sin in their life because of the mighty work of Jesus in their life. Maybe for us today, our greatest act of worship is to pray for someone else. In just a moment, Jesus gives us these opportunities. Our pastors will be down front. And our band will sing. And we may respond. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. God, thank you that the word teaches us that you loved us so much that you would send him. God, to walk on this earth and to live a sinless life. To begin a ministry to this world that would quite honestly change the world. Father, thank you for his willingness to go to the cross and there to die on our behalf for the atonement of sin. Father, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for freedom. Father, I pray that we as the church would recognize all that you have accomplished for us 
And that, Father, our hearts would be inclined this morning to worship you in spirit and truth. To pray for ourselves, but to pray for others. To worship you with thankful hearts. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.